We are back for another episode of the Apple Circle podcast. Another week, another uh, pile of Apple news to try to sift through and cover to find the gold in the rubble, find out what's uh, interesting to talk about. And uh, as has been the theme lately, it has been um, not a whole lot of good news in the Apple world. Also, we want to apologize in advance. Last week, we did miss an episode. Uh, Matt was actually here, which is funny is we were going to do this whole special in-studio uh, episode and like go over everything and do some hands-on with Apple stuff. And then we just sort of ran out of time. So I uh, apologize for the hiatus, but we were back. Yeah, last week was kind of a disaster. It was a disaster. And this week, as you can see, I'm not home. I'm, I'm at the studio. This whole setup was a disaster. I was like, oh, I'm going to, why not do it, you know, after I do an Apple Circle recording? And that was the wrong mistake. But anyways, we're here now. We're here this week. Matt, you're back home. You're here in California. How was your time out uh, on a little more West Coast than you already are? Oh, it was good. It was, uh, it was nice to be back at the studio. Uh, I do wish we kind of got our episode going like we wanted to, but like I said, it was kind of a... All of our initial plans of what we were planning to do for the week fell apart for various different reasons. Uh, but we're back. Everything's good. I'm back home. Uh, but that does mean that last week, since we were doing... I was working on other stuff. I have absolutely no idea what happened in the world of Apple last <laughs> week, and I was looking it up. It seems like not much, but... You're going to have to inform me on anything we missed. But I think before we get into that, let's go ahead and talk about our favorite thing, which is our Apple Circle hotline. So if you want to call in, leave us a message, uh, you know, send us a text message or a voicemail, whatever you want to do, that number is 949-354-3508. And we got a few, we got one more comment and another question. And uh, I guess let's just get into it. So the first one's from Jack. Um, not really a question here, but left us a very nice uh, comment. So we just want to address that. Thank you very much for doing that. So again, it doesn't have to be a question. If you just want to send anything in, go for it. Um, the, getting into the question from Big Man Game House, who has uh, uh, been a listener for quite a while. I remember a few questions a while back. Uh, he has two questions. Quick one here. First one, what happens if you plug in an iPhone uh, with Lightning and MagSafe at the same time? Which one will it use? I'm fairly positive it uses Lightning or whatever is faster, um, mm. which would be like, well, well, actually, here's a question. If you're using MagSafe at 15 watts, and you plug in a five watt lightning cable, will it use MagSafe? I think that the iPhone probably from a hardware perspective is always going to favor the connection over lightning through the wire over wireless. I could be wrong on that. It's actually a good question, but I'm going to assume that it's always going to favor that. Cause if you think about it, like, well, I don't, I think the lightning takes priority, but I don't know. We actually should do a test. We should put a Ma uh, iPhone on a wireless charger and then plug in lightning and then sort of see, I guess you could like cut power to one of them and see what takes over. It's a good question. I think it's going to be the cable though. That's my guess. Yeah. Usually these devices try to like, because even though even the MagSafe is pretty decently fast, uh, at least compared to like a five watt lightning brick, it still, it has the, the potential to be less efficient. So the iPhone will probably go to lightning. I looked it up real quick um, and just to see, let's see, I use it both. Yeah, it's everyone's saying it goes to the lightning, which makes the most sense. That it's the most stable connection. They know it's going to work. So that's the first question. Second question is um, about the iPhone SE. So he says he's uh, looking to uh, basically he found a good open box deal at Best Buy for an iPhone SE 64 gigabytes, um, $400 Canadian. Um, and he got it for his mom and it's going to be their first iPhone. The Apple supports their devices for many years, but since uh, the number of years that iOS seems to be increasing, it's hard to tell just how long it will last. What do you think? So first question, I'm assuming since it's open box, it's the SE2, not the 3? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and plus the $400 Canadian makes me think that too, because uh, if it was, even if it was open box, uh, Four twenty nine. It would probably be four hundred dollars U.S., not four hundred dollars Canadian. That's just kind of what I'm thinking there. But either way, how long will this phone last? At least another four years, um, mm. if not five. What do you think? It's gonna be a while because so the SE two came out in twenty twenty. It's got the A fifteen. I fourteen. Oh, we're on. I, gotta look we're it up. On, I forgot. We're on fifteen now. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, it was a fourteen. No. I'll, I'll look on. it up. Keep going. Keep See, going. this is the this is what's convenient because the phone came out in the spring of 2020. The phones, the iPhones came out in the fall, so it's be two generations old. So it'd be, I think it's the A13 in that because we got the A14 in the fall, then A15. So 13. regardless of that, there you go, 13. So you're, I mean, like Matt said, four years at least. I mean, this is a very modern iPhone. It was just released a number of years ago. Um, Apple has a great track record of supporting uh, hardware with the latest iOS software updates for quite some time. So I think the phone's either going to have screen issues, battery issues. The hardware will probably fail before you notice the software not updating or working. So you've got a, a good uh, life ahead of you uh, for that uh, iPhone SE for sure. Yep. And uh Always a good thing to look out for. Whenever we talk about these new products, we're always, you know, kind of talk about them in the frame of buying them new. But looking for open box deals, looking for used deals, that's really the way to go. Especially if if you're not worried about it being the flashiest. Like you said, it's your mom's first iPhone. Then, I mean, uh, this phone is going to be perfect for them. I think that's really why the iPhone SE even exists is for that situation. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a good buy. Um, nothing really uh, negative about that. I think, I think that's good. Uh, okay. On to Apple News. Did I miss anything or did nothing? <laughs> you know, it was also, I feel like we were all over the place last week and I was not on the news wire as much as I should have been, but really nothing. I mean, a couple of things I can think of. We got like some like faceplate leaks for the front of the iPhone yes, 14 series, which basically that. confirms exactly what we knew before. Yeah. Apple did officially launch their self-service repair guide. And basically the consensus from that is that you can do it yourself. Like you can fix something like a cracked screen or a busted battery, but it's very, it's in most cases more expensive, way more complicated and way more time consuming than it would be than just to take it to the Apple store and have them do it. So right. Matt, I, I am one, you're more mechanically inclined than <laughs> I am. And I will admit that I would not even attempt this. I, I, it's funny because it's like 45 bucks. I think Apple will like ship you like these Pelican cases full of the gear and like you're getting like legit like genius bar yeah. level gear in your house. Would you do this? Would you run through the trouble just to see how it works? I mean, I, from the videos I've seen, like you can do it, but it takes a lot of time and it's like very, it, it's a, a very involved process just to do a simple yeah, thing. Yeah, I don't know if I would really do this myself. I mean, Mainly because I've already invested in things like Apple Care. So if something goes wrong, I'm just going to take it to the Apple Store. I've already paid for it in a, in a sense. So like I'm just going to do it that route. But I'm at the very least, I'm glad that Apple is offering this. This is something that typically you would not think a company like Apple would actually do. So the fact that they let you do this is pretty uh, pretty nice. But it seems definitely more tailored to someone who's running a shop or like a little boutique business or something that wants the official um, you know Apple certified parts and the Apple certified gear and everything and i i was looking i for i think uh quinn snazzy q was uh posting like the actual price and i think it's only like 1500 bucks for all this stuff if you like buy yeah. it which is not that bad so you know i think that's that's good that they're doing it and i'm happy they're doing it will i ever recommend anyone do this no no that's <laughs> not it does not seem like that's what it's for it's more just uh i w it's honestly it seems like it's something that apple's offering just so that 
everyone can shut up about it and be exactly. like, you can repair your stuff. Yeah. It's Apple's like, fine, we're going to let you do it. You can get the actual tools, but you're going to have to like get these huge cases and it's going to be this whole thing. And like um, Quinn's video, like even detailed like the steps you have to like call special numbers, to, like verify there's like keywords. You have to make sure you like you read through the document to get the keywords. So you can verify that you've actually yeah. read it. Like I thought that was They're going to make you jump through yeah. a ton of hoops. <laughs> At that point, I don't, I mean, I guess unless you like, like that stuff, you want the experience. I would take it to the Apple store. I would just, I would not attempt to mess with it because there are so many things that could go wrong. Um, Dan from MacRumors had a good video that went up the other day where he was talking about like how like these are what the instructions say, but like when you get in there and do it, like it wasn't working and I had to do this and this and it sounded like a nightmare to me. So um, I would never in a million years get uh, near ordering that box of uh, expensive <laughs> Apple uh, gear yeah. just to try to attempt to repair the most I'm trying to think the most um, sort of deep into the Mac that I've gotten like repairs. We did a video, one of the OG Apple Circle videos on replacing the uh, RAM or upgrading the RAM oh, in yeah. the Mac Mini. And that was a very involved process. It was taking it out. It was disconnecting the Wi-Fi antenna and you get in the motherboard and it was a whole thing. And that, I'm surprised it booted up and worked, but that was a very involved process. It took me like half the day. So I, for me, it's like I'd rather just, you know, one of the beauties of Apple products mostly is, you know, you can order it as you want it. You're sort of getting... It is what it is in the order, which is a good thing and a bad thing. And if you do want to upgrade, there are avenues to do that. I love like with the Mac Pro, you can upgrade it, but it's like pretty easy. It's like a PCI slot. You just like slot something in, you're good to go. I don't like the whole let's tinker with it, let's do this and that. We, you know, we built um on the John Render channel, we did like this NZXT PC build where like there's just a uh, go from like very beginner level stuff to build a PC. And I did it. I can say I built a PC, but it was it was a an involved process and i remember like I, there was some cable that i had miss i put it in the wrong slot and the pc wouldn't boot and it was like this is why i buy a mac it just it's <laughs> i don't want to say it's too complicated but it just for me it's like i'd rather spend my time doing other things than diagnosing pc hardware and upgrading uh different components yeah you know the mac is going to work when it turns on if it doesn't well there's really nothing you can do about it so you just get it replaced and that's 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 about the extent of what you do with a mac if nothing if something's not working um, anything else that we missed? I, I'm looking through the news right now. I don't Nothing major. Think, I mean, it's been what's, you know, like we've always talked about is, you know, so WWDC is like a little less than a month away now. It's on June 6th. Um, really nothing is leaked. We've gotten no new hardware leaks. It's been very, very quiet on the Apple front for, I want to say like at least the past two months, ever since that March 8th event, it's been quiet. So not Good. I guess it's good for Apple because nothing's leaking, but bad news for us because there's just really not a whole lot of stuff to talk about. So it's, yep. it's been it's been quiet, too quiet around here. Yeah, so hopefully that starts to pick up a little bit. I did see that uh, the lottery for the in-person viewing of the WWDC event is, I think, next week or the 9th or something like that, which actually maybe – is that tomorrow? What, what day is it? No, that, we're That's the That's right next, next Monday, I think. Yeah, next Monday. So, yeah, there's some news there. I'm going to – I don't know what goes into applying for that lottery, but I'm going to try if I can. See, yeah, it'd be kind of cool. Um, and yeah, I'm looking at everything else. But the one thing we were going to talk about, or you know, make this more of a topical episode, is a video that we put up on the John Rettinger channel, which is, uh, you know, affiliated with the Apple Circle. Let's say it that way. Um, and that was the history of the iPod. I think you and I both, our first Apple products were an iPod of some sort, right? And I think they were actually video, the same iPod. Video iPod. Remember that? Was yeah. it 2005, I want to say? I believe so. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, now, you just did – so, Matt, you did the research on this. You did the deep dive. What was 
tell me what the process for that was like and what like interesting nuggets did you find like right off the bat that you didn't know? I guess, uh, you know, actually what I didn't know, this is not that interesting, but I didn't know that there was an iPod before the, the video iPod called the iPod photo. It was mm. basically the same thing, but it didn't play video. It just had a color screen and showed you photos. I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. Um, also, I kind of forgot about all the iPods that came out af- after the iPhone existed. I kind of mm. I kind of had this mentality that once the iPhone came out, the iPod kind of stopped getting developed. But actually, most of the development, the interesting development of the iPod, especially like the iPod Nano, happened after the iPhone. So the first iPhone came out in 2001. And... Uh, basically iterated every year until 2007, which is when the iPhone came out. Then we got things like the iPod Touch, which is a very different idea compared to the original iPod. Um, And then the iPod Nano, like, it seemed like Apple had freedom to kind of experiment with the iPod because they were focused on the iPhone. So that's what was most interesting to me. But I figured we don't have to go through the whole history, but uh, maybe I'll go through what how it started because i think that the story is a little interesting but then i think i want to talk about what our favorite ipods are and what some of the most interesting ones because i think our our journey our journey with the ipod is very similar which is kind of funny um but yeah the ipod came out in 2001 but basically this was back in the day before you know personal computing was really a thing it was it was mainly a thing with uh computers like the imac which had just been released months before well maybe months to years before the iPod, uh, and then the iBook, the, the colorful versions, which is what we're talking about. These are the first generations of these products. Uh, that's when that started to happen. Things like Wi-Fi weren't really a thing until the iBook, um, and the internet was starting to take off. So as that was happening, Apple developed a strategy, Steve Jobs said it on stage, where the Mac was going to become your digital hub. And I think that really took off. That, that you can say, was very clearly a correct guess on what the Mac would become. Basically, you have your computer at home, you plug things into it, and you use it as your hub, the place where everything lives, but you can use different devices with your Mac. And that that was a, a big thing in that. And because of that idea, Steve Jobs and Apple wanted to make a, a, a different product, a music player specifically. Um, Especially in that time, that was when things like Napster and uh, Real, I think it's called Real Player or something like that, was um, a thing. These were these semi-illegal, shady streaming services where you could have digital music. And that was a new thing. You had your CDs, you had your cassettes, um, you had, well, that was before, but you you know, you had your CD players uh, and you had your portable CD players like a Walkman. But the digital revolution was kicking in and Apple wanted to be a part of that, which looking back at the history makes sense because they've been doing these kind of products a lot, but that was really different. They hadn't really done a non-computer successful product before that. So it's kind of weird that they did that, but it obviously worked out. And um, basically at Apple, nobody thought that was going to be possible. The technology didn't really exist, but one of the most like coincidental uh happenstance what what's the word for that like uh I, i'm blanking on the word but basically just the biggest coincidence and right place right time was when uh steve jobs and john rubenstein who john rubenstein was leading the ipod project um back in 2001 this was in february of 2001 they were at macworld japan which that used to be a thing macworld like doesn't exist with apple anymore um but they were there and then they did a meeting with toshiba and they had 
Basically, Toshiba showed off their brand new thing, which was a 1.8 inch hard drive. So it was super thin, super small, and brand new. Before you had, I think they're 3.5 inch, right? Regular size hard drive. So those are much mm. too big to fit into an iPod. Um, but as soon as Rubenstein saw this hard drive, basically the light, light, light bulb went off in his head and he's like, oh, this is cool. They licensed it. They licensed the exclusive rights to this hard drive. And that is when the iPod project really started. And what's crazy, I think the thing that people don't realize is the iPod from really like start to finish took eight months. He saw this this uh, this hard drive in February of 2001, and they released it in October of 2001. And sure, they had you know they were obviously working on things in the background before that, but really it was a very quick project. And the fact that it actually worked and revolutionized the personal tech space is kind of crazy. But that's the basic basic story of the first iPod, and kind of the rest is history from there. But yeah, the iPod's interesting, and I guess one thing. Well, no, let's just get into some of the most interesting iPods. Have you ever used the first generation iPod? I haven't. I kind of want to buy one. So I think we did get the opportunity to check out the first iPod briefly. I don't think it actually turned on, but it was that big, chunky OG iPod. And yeah, it was really crazy. I I just, so I was 2001, so I was like six or seven at the time. So I don't think I was quite at uh, the uh, iPod uh, target customer base just yet, but um, it's cool to go back and see it sort of after the fact and see, you know, and the crazy thing too is Firewire, which I didn't realize how much Apple was pushing Firewire and how big they were sort of leading the charge on Firewire with their devices. And most people I feel like these days don't even remember what Firewire was. That was like the it was kind of like the Thunderbolt of its time. It was yeah, the exactly. faster connection. You could even do live video. You um, think of like a webcam or something or like, a, you know, these days there's capture cards. With Firewire, you could actually send video through that cable, uh, like from like a camera, for example, and sort of use that as a webcam. That was unheard of, you know, in the early to mid 2000s. So Firewire was like this faster protocol and uh, Macs had Firewire ports. Even computers had Firewire ports too, or some PCs. Um, But that was sort of the uh, origins of the uh, original iPod. And then, yeah, I didn't, you know, I've gotten to go back and see different models after the fact, but I really wasn't in the iPod game too much until, like I said, 2005, 2006, when I got that video iPod. And that was sort of when it, my Apple craze sort of started then around the mid 2000s so it was a little yeah. early for me with that og1 yeah same here and i you know honestly looking back at the different models of the ipod for the original ipod not talking about the shuffle or the nano or, or the mini or anything like that which we'll talk about in a second but the original ipod the iterations didn't really change all that much until we got to the ipod video the ipod video was the first time you could really do something different with it that's well, the ipod photo got the color screen first but then the ipod video very quickly after that had the the color screen. It had the uh, kind of most up-to-date design that you kind of think of as the iPod classic, you know, before they went to the aluminum. Uh, so, I, you know, before that, there was just very iterative uh, updates to the original iPod. So, yeah, I'm in the same boat where I, that was the first. Well, here's the question before we talk about the other iPods. What made you get the iPod video? I remember that it was just my mom had gotten one and my sister had gotten one. I think I feel like my parents got like a Costco or something. It was just like one of those things where like, oh, it's cool to be able to like watch videos on this thing. And I wasn't so much into music, but the video stuff was cool. And I'll, I'll never forget sort of getting that and then 
my parents are like, okay, you and your sister can go get some stuff on iTunes to buy and put on the iPod. So you go on the iTunes store and like you get the videos. I think they even have rentals. So I remember I put Lost on there. There was Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> there was like all those oh, yeah. OG mid 2000s stuff. And I, I can't remember exactly why I got it or when I got it, but I remember that process of not only getting the stuff from iTunes, but like just how cool it was that you could watch these videos right in this thing in your hands. It was just like, it was crazy and it looks so impractical today but back then it was like mind-blowing awesome. that what it could yep. do it was so so cool before you got that were you into tech already i was into tech but i was on the pc side so we had a windows xp machine i remember i was into making like home movies with my firewire mini dv camera and windows <laughs> movie maker and like that was like the thing for me and then it was the iPod in 2005. And then I'll never forget in 2006, 2005, 2006, my fifth grade teacher, she had one of those white plastic MacBooks. And we have, like, I remember the exact she same. was. It's so weird how our story is exactly crazy. the same. <laughs> and I'll never forget it was Photo Booth. It was Comic Life oh, was the coolest booth, thing yeah. ever. I remember for a couple of projects in class, she would take pictures and like she'd like do like a little comics in Comic Life. And for those who don't know, Comic Life was this really cool app that used to come with a Mac, which is weird because it wasn't built by Apple, it was a third party. But it was like the you could make comics, like a comic book on the Mac with the software. And I just remember thinking that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Yep. iMovie HD was like the coolest thing ever. Like that to me, it was the iPod and then it was the Mac and then it was all over from there. But that was like the the coolest thing ever. And then for me, it was, I got in 2007, that black plastic MacBook. Yep. And then it was like really then that I started to really learn more about sort of the internet and like, oh, you could like do online video streaming and like there's like YouTube. And that's when I found, you know, John and Chris Perillo and all those like OG tech people. <laughs> Remember yep. the first video of John I found was 2007. I wanted to know how do you connect an external monitor to your Mac? Because the idea of dragging a window from one little screen to a big screen totally blew my mind. It was, he had done a video around then, which was like, here's how to connect like a dual monitor to your Mac. That's when I subscribed and then, that's when it was sort of the beginning yeah. of my uh, origin story there for me, but that's another that's video. But yeah, that was, um, that well, was, like, that no, was it. Ours, so it all started from that iPod. Our star stories are very similar. I don't remember why we got that first iPod, but it wasn't me who decided to get it. It was like a family thing. I don't know why. Uh, and we were also on PC. And recently before that, I, I'm trying to remember the dates. I think might have been 2005. So like very recently after before or around that time, that's when Windows or iTunes for Windows came out. So you could actually like use the iPod. Um, and oh, no, that, that came out earlier. That was in 2003. Now I'm remembering the dates. But either way, point being that, yeah, there was no reason why we got it that I could think of. But we did. And that set me on the course. I didn't really care about tech before that. Um, but after that, for sure, I was all in. And I saw my friend. It wasn't the white MacBook, but he had a white or the MacBook Pro from mm -hmm. that generation. And, you know, with the uh, what, what isn't that the Santa Rosa one? Yeah, the Santa Rosa with like that aluminum keyboard, that yep. disk drive the on aluminum. the side. Oh, I and I mean, it was mind blown for me because I had only known PCs mm -hmm. and it's so different, so much more interesting. And I was hooked at that point. Like I was like, I need a MacBook and I wanted the, I didn't need the MacBook Pro, but I wanted the black MacBook. Same one you got, we got the exact same computer. Um, and I remember this was back in the day when Apple stores weren't the only place. So we would go to like CompUSA and I would go there all the time because it was one of the only other places that sold Apple computers. And, um, 
I would go there. That's back. I think they still sold Hackintoshes back then. Maybe. I can't hmm. remember. I, I remember seeing a Hackintosh at CompUSA at one point. But, um, yeah, I would go to CompUSA, look at the Macs all the time, open up Photo Booth, open up Comic Life, all these things. It was just so different. Like, it's crazy. It just, uh, the, at the time, the, it was so different compared to XP. The mid-2000s were just, like, such a cool time for tech and Apple. And I remember the Apple Store back then at least for me it was, it was an experience to go in there because like it had the rows of software you had like these different sort of that was like back when like they had like the different like sections for like create and play yep. and edit and they had like the kids section like the apple store these days like they're like product um sort of separated but back then it was like very like here's what you can do with your mac here's this and yeah, here's exactly. that and i just I'll never forget going there and getting that computer was like the coolest thing ever. And like how if the black one, that's the one you had to get if you wanted the higher end processor. And oh, I just yeah. remember like, I didn't even know at the time. It's like, I ended up the difference between Intel core to do or whatever. It was like, I just want the, the black one, which was a horrible thing. <laughs> that's for exactly but too. just that's being the coolest thing. And just, you know, you had on Mac OS or OS 10 back then, just things you didn't have on PCs. You had, because I was so used to Windows Movie Maker, iMovie was like a whole new level. Like there, this is like, if you wanted to be a creative and you wanted to add a video, you needed a Mac. That was the thing. And you had Photo Booth and you had Comic Life and you had the iLife suite. And yeah. it was just, it was... Even like it was things like, like really Dashboard, like, like having widgets yeah, back widgets. then. Like, it, yeah, was it was like great. the... You had the Windows, which was like the slow sort of corporate like school. Like this was like your beige box with your operating system. The Mac was, you know, this is creative. This is your, you know, uh, portal to new things. And I just remember being so enamored with this thing and just the build of it and what it could do and the built-in webcam. I just, it was the coolest thing ever. Then it was, you know, it was all over from there. But um, I feel like it was like this like second, because we was thinking like the computer and the tech revolution like in the 80s and like the 90s, but I feel like the mid-2000s, like that was really like when... It was a big deal. Windows and Microsoft, uh, Microsoft and Apple and Mac OS X, like it really, they went on two different roads and that was really when the whole campaign was if you're creative and you want to do videos, you have to have a Mac, which I don't think is necessarily the case today, but definitely was, you know, what, 15, 16 years ago? That's what it yep. was. It was a big deal. And speaking of my first video, because I was in the same boat, like looking up all these videos on YouTube, discovering all these uh, creators. For John, the first video I watched was because of the MacBook. Uh, at my school at the time, I was in, the, we called it the laptop program because back then um, computers weren't like a thing they used at school unless it was like the library. So there was a program though that you could, you could apply for and then you would use laptops in school, which was kind of cool. So I did that, but they, my school district had a, uh, a deal with Microsoft that we had to use windows computers, even though we would buy them ourselves, but we had to use windows computers. I don't know how true that was. That's just the way I understood it at the time. Um, but I got this Mac and I was like, ah, it'll be fine. Like I, I can use it. And then it was fine, but the reason why I found John is because I was looking, and he had a video on how to get parallels on the Mac. Parallels, yeah, I remember. Yep. So that's the video that started it all for me, and it was all around the same. You know, we're we're on the. It's just, I feel like it still blows my mind not, how crazy our, our stories are. Not only similar. you and I are so similar in these past, but also I feel like everybody like in the tech space has like their John Rettinger origin story. Like, what was your oh, first yeah. video? I, I remember <laughs> that. Then like I like it was cool to see like the progression, but I remember like. That very first one, I was like, oh, like this is how you, you know, he showed you, like, you zoom in, like, this is how you get the, you know, dual monitors, like, this little white bar here, which I don't think they do that anymore. This is what your main monitor is and your secondary display. And, like, then from there, it was like, I, I built out my Mac setup, then I got the external keyboard and mouse, and I started doing live streaming. That was a whole other thing with Ustream. And 
Uh, well, and you um, had your Chris Perillo set up with your tick clocks. I did. I have my Chris Perillo set up. I had the tick clocks. I, um, g- you know, Cam Twist. Talk about like cool Mac. And that was another thing. Again, getting down a different road here, but like there were certain creative apps. Like I know like the thing these days is like OBS, but like think of like OBS 15 years ago, but it was only on Mac, only on Mac and ScreenFlow too. It was like, if you wanted to create, there were these Macs are only on the, uh, only on the Mac. And I remember that with, you know, with windows, there was like hypercam and like, there was like these weird knockoffs that no one wanted to use. But if you wanted to do nice screen recordings and you wanted to do live streaming, you had to use a Mac. And it just, it's obviously it's, it's totally changed these days, which I think is, is, it's for the better. Um, but just so crazy how, uh, it, it was back then, not so long ago. It feels like, you know, forever ago, but also doesn't feel like that long ago at all. Um, I know. so crazy. But I mean, you know, kind of going back to the iPod, this was a time when everything was just exciting. Everything was different. Everything was new. It was innovating so quickly because, uh, well, I don't know what your, what your product, at least with iPods, uh, what your product trajectory was after that. But so I, yeah, I had the original iPod or not the original, but the, uh, the video iPod. And I don't think we got a new one until I think my sister got the Nano, which was the like square Nano, not the touchscreen one, but the the one with the video. Yeah, this, that yeah, was, the like, weird the one, like kind of smushed three, down four. one. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that was a lot. The next one we got, and then then I got the other Nano that was touchscreen that you could wear as a watch, which we'll talk about. But what about you? What was? Do you remember your your no, iPod? No, I was so that was like in 2005 we got that. Then think like later that year in 2006 is when I got my first cell phone, which was the infamous Razer V3, that flip uh, phone, not the yeah. the current Moto Razer, but the old, the classic Razer. And then 2007, uh, late fall 2007, I got the original iPhone. So yep. then after that, I was like, I don't need an iPod because this is, it's an iPod, it's a phone, it's an exactly. internet communicator. Um, so I feel like I really missed out on a lot of that cool iPod stuff. And like after I got the iPhone, I never looked back, but I will say, you know, a couple of things. One, I think that Apple gets a lot of um, criticism for not innovating, and they have not innovated in a lot of ways. But man, if you look at the iPod lineup, they were doing a lot of crazy things to innovate. They had the shuffle that was like the what the stick of gum. They had the square yeah. one that people would wear on uh, as a, a watch on their uh, wrist. They had the classic. They had um, obviously the touch is a whole other thing, but like they really had a, a number of different price options and size options. And they really tried to make sure that everyone had an iPod, which was really cool. Um, and then I feel like, you know, the iPod touch that just absolutely that, changed yeah. everything. Yep. That completely changed the trajectory of what the, not only what the iPod was, but just how the iPhone was going to take over everything. Uh, before we get to that, cause I think that's, there's a lot to say there, but you did get the iPod Nano watch edition, <laughs> I right? I did. I yeah. didn't. I feel like I, I didn't. That came out in... When did that come out? Do you know? Because I didn't get that for a while. I'll have to... Let me look it up, but continue. I think I got that in 2010, 2011. Like, I don't know. I, I, that was like one of those random things where not only were people doing it, but Apple themselves... Though they didn't really support it, they were selling watch bands for this thing in their store. So I remember going to the Apple yep. store and getting the Nano and then getting the Watchman. Yeah, 2011. That's, that's when it was. Um, I guess I did get it the year it came out. And I, how much was it? Because like, it wasn't that much money, but I remember it was like a lot of money for me at the time. And I wore it like on my wrist as a watch. It was really cool because I could, you know, like have like the little timepiece. Then I could swipe over and plug in headphones and I could, um, you know, use it as, as an iPod. And that was just sort of more of a fun thing. That was just me being weird and being like a geek when wanting to have one of those things more than it was me wanting to play music. 
So I just thought it was Yeah, cool. no, I bought that specifically for the watch functionality, not because I cared about having an iPod. Because I think I was in the same boat. Yeah, 2011, I definitely had an iPhone. So that was not that was not the issue for me. It's not that I needed to listen to music. But yeah, I was in the same boat. I, I Well, I'm looking at the price because I remember kind of what you said. Like, I remember it being expensive. But now that I look at it, it was not expensive. It was 130 bucks. So <laughs> it's, it's hey, crazy how times then. change. Um, but yeah, so 120, $129, eight gigabytes. I oh, mean, I'm, that kind of blows my mind how cheap it is actually. <laughs> That's, uh, I just remember how expensive it was and I wanted it. So I, I spent the money to do it, but I, I remember it not being a smart decision at the time, but really it's not, it's not that expensive. Um, but yeah, I had uh lunatic was like the fancy one. Yep. It was made out of yep. aluminum. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, that's if you go back on my personal channel, one of my first videos is comparing a lunatic real one compared to a fake one because I bought one. I don't remember where I bought it, but it came in. It looked perfect. Everything it all worked fine. But I was like, something's off about this. And it ended up being fake. So I did like a comparison between the, the real and the fake one. And actually, that video did pretty well. Um, but yeah, that, that was one of the first videos I ever did. And, you know, I, I'd love to hear the de- detailed story about this this nano because clearly they were okay with people using it as a watch because they had all the clock they had a clock app and it had all the faces um and they actually updated it later on to include even more faces so they knew that people were using this as the watch so i wonder why like what i wonder why i i didn't really see any concrete evidence or you know stories about why they made this watch or sorry not watch nano um but Maybe it was just a precursor to see like if there was any interest in having a watch smartwatch. Like, what's well, funny that, too so. is like it, it had some of those like Disney like Mickey Mouse um, yeah. watch faces too that were like you know a staple of the Apple Watch. Those are on the Nano, and I'd have to go back and see like what those keynotes like were and what they said. But yeah, it's like Apple like they like didn't like condemn it, but they didn't condone it. They like could have put a little, little bit of resources behind it. Like oh, you can wear it as a watch, kind of like as a half-hearted joke. But like people were like legit doing it, and like they like you know they were carrying the bands in their stores, so obviously they were somewhat okay with it yeah it's i'm glad they did because it was fun while i had it and i remember people asking me about it and uh that because that was back before any smartwatches really and that was existed. what three three years before uh, that's funny three years before the apple watch would be it announced. seems like a long lo- lot longer but yeah i guess it's only three years uh yeah that's crazy right. the more i look back at like the history and like my experiences with all these things the time it was not that long that was one of the the uh points i made in the video was that the heyday of the ipod was really only like seven years like from 2001 to 2007 and once the ipod came or iphone came out everything else the iphone was just on the back or sorry this is when everything gets mixed up the ipod was really on the back burner compared to the iphone because you had the iphone obviously and then once they released the ipod touch that's what everyone wanted you would get the other ipods because you you know, wanted something more affordable, not because you like you wanted the iPod touch, obviously, or you wanted the iPhone. So it's just crazy how fast the iPod's lifespan really was, because I believe I have to look this up, but I believe 2015 or 2016 was when they did the last update to um, any of the iPods besides the iPod touch. So, I mean, let's say 2001 to 2015. That's not that long. And if you think about it too, it's like it's crazy for me to think that it was three years between when we had that iPod Nano and the first Apple Watch, how much changed. And I feel like 
the level of innovation that happened then is just not the same as it is now. So between 2011 and 2014, I feel like tech drastically changed, including Apple products. And I feel like, you know, between 2020, like, let's say 2019 and 2022, not that much has actually changed. Is that because we've like hit peak innovation? Like we were doing what we want? Or is that just because things just aren't evolving as they were back then? I, I wonder what that is, but Man, look at, yeah, compare 2019 and 2020 to 2022, that three-year period, 2011 and 2014, I feel like there's like no comparison. It was so crazy back then how fast and you know how crazy? wild those changes were. I know. I, I completely agree. But I also just looked up the uh, the Nano, the last Nano, which was this This was a very strange iPod Nano. It had a home button, but the, cir- the home button was circular instead of squared, which was with the, the little icon on there. Do you remember that? It's kind of weird because it wasn't really iOS, but it looked like Yeah, it like wasn't iOS. iOS. It was like a yeah. weird like modified iPod software, but to make yeah. it look like it was iOS. It had Bluetooth, which was a big deal. None of the iPods had Bluetooth except for the touch. Um, and then it was very small. It came in colors. It had a touchscreen. Nothing super remarkable about it, but I was just looking it up. That's the seventh generation. It was launched in October 2012, and they didn't touch it until 15, which is 2015 is when they killed it so actually it was only for really like the actual ipods it was really only 2001 to 2012 that's it mm-hmm. that's crazy and really i mean <laughs> two, uh, 2007 when the iphone came that was like kind of the end like it was that six year stretch from 2001 to 2007 and then after that you were sort of crazy because you're talking to an apple store it's like i can get an ipod but man the iphone is way better in almost yep. every way exactly uh did you ever well, you said you had the iPhone, so you probably didn't have an iPod Touch. Did you know anyone that had an iPod Touch? I didn't have an iPod Touch, but I can say that I was around for the ripples of what that was doing, especially in schools back then. And it's just crazy because oh, yeah. I feel like we're all old people now and we're, you know, <laughs> mid-20s. But, um, you know, back then when the phone was this flip phone that everybody had or a sidekick or whatever with an LG chocolate or whatever. Um, chocolate, yeah. <laughs> The iPhone was this amazing thing, but you had to, your parents had to be on AT and T. They had to be willing to spend the money on the contract and the phone. Like there was a lot of hoops to jump through if you wanted to get an iPhone. But with the iPod Touch, I think it was three hundred bucks or two hundred bucks. It must have been two ninety nine when it launched. I think it was two fifty. And it yeah, even better two fifty. And it like democratized all the features of the iPhone. It gave you the screen. It gave you the software. It gave you the um, video and iPod capabilities. Like it was, it was basically all the great features of the iPhone without the phone functionality, which back then wasn't a big deal because everyone still had SMS and there was an iMessage, but what that thing did in schools was crazy because everybody wanted an iPod Touch. If you had an iPod Touch, it was a really big deal, and like it brought all these crazy features to a bunch of teens who couldn't afford to have iPhones and didn't want to, you know, jump through those hoops uh, with all the cell phone stuff. And it was, it was a big deal. It spread like wildfire. Like everybody had an iPod touch. The iPod touch was the gadget to have. It was the thing you had to have it. And, you know, went, I feel like after schools then went from like, Oh, like let's like play around. Or I, I was a little old for elementary. I wasn't elementary, but it was like, I could imagine that it wasn't like, let's play on the playground. It was, let's watch some YouTube on the iPod touch or let's watch some, like I downloaded this movie from iTunes. Let's watch it. It just, that's when things rapidly changed because it gave yep. you that iPhone magic and a way more accessible device. Yep. And I just looked it up. It was two ninety nine for a gigabyte model. So it's a little pricey, especially for like people our age at the time. But I guess we're one to talk about because we both have iPhones, but um, yeah. So I remember that. And do you, I think we all forget that the iPod touch was very limited. Obviously it wasn't the iPhone, so it didn't have things like, 
you know, phone calling and SMS or anything like that. But it did have, um, once the app store came out, it did have apps and did have all that kind of stuff. But one thing I think a lot of people forget is that you actually had to pay to upgrade it if you wanted to get <laughs> software updates. Do you remember that? I remember that was like 29 bucks or something. Yeah, it was a little, it was kind of weird. That was back in the day when Apple didn't just give away software updates. You had to buy your Mac OS software updates. You had to buy um, the iPod touch updates. You didn't have to buy the iPhone updates, luckily. Um, I but remember yeah, that kind of weird. Spending $29 for Snow Leopard and getting that disc. Yep. And yep, the big thing the the then was, do you want to do the do, digital do, do, download do, 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 do. or do you want to do the um, the disc? And I, I remember that was the coolest thing. I remember when I, uh, speaking of the, the song you were just singing or humming, uh, <laughs> back in the OG Mac days, you yeah. know, there was like the, it was, you put a PC, it was like, eh, I'm going to walk you through the boring process of the Mac. It was this lively video and it was walking you through things and there was cool animations. It was just, there was such a difference back then that it's just, I feel like it's, you had to be there almost because it just, it's not the same these days. It's just not the same. Yeah. And I kind of wonder like, cause we're remembering it very fondly and I think it was a great time for technology. Everything was changing so fast, but I wonder how much of that is just nostalgia cause we were kids or if that's just really what it was. And kind of, I'm wondering like what kids today are feeling. Cause I feel like it's not about the tech. It's about the internet. Like there's things on the internet that oh, you're yeah. doing, but the tech itself is kind of whatever. Like it hasn't really changed very much. So I well, wonder I like what they're feeling. Back then too, it was a part of it was like you had this amazing device that could do all these cool things, but also it was like here's an easy way to access the web because and I felt like that well, yeah, really that like too. made the explosion of you know web 2.0 and all this stuff because you know back then it was if you want to get online you had like this really like limited mobile internet on your phone or you were on a laptop or a computer there wasn't the idea of, um, you know, smartphones. And it was funny because I had to buy a um, data SIM and this, like, USB stick cell thing for, like, this project I'm working on. And I remember remember back in the day with Verizon, there was, like, the MiFi's. Like, you'd have to buy those little antennas that you'd plug into your laptop to yeah, get the internet on. Exactly. Like, the idea of, like, a personal hotspot and, like, internet on your phone, like, it just it didn't, it didn't exist. And uh, to your point... Yes, there's definitely some nostalgia there, but also there was things were way more difficult to do than they were these days. Like you had to plug in to do software updates. Remember when you could do untethered updates? It was always you had to plug it in and do it. And activating the iPhone, it wasn't like a 30 second process. You had to plug it into iTunes and there were activation servers and there were definitely pros and cons to everything. So as flowery as we might remember a lot of things, a part of it was a lot more of a pain in the butt for sure. Oh, that's for sure. Like I remember when the when the iPhone finally had Wi-Fi sync and it like never worked because it, mm-hmm. it took forever and it was a pain. Yeah, so I mean, there there was definitely some cons to the time period, but it was just so. I, I think mainly looking back, it's so cool how things change because. Like for me, I remember the first time I discovered like a video podcast, uh, which was Rev3, um, which mm-hmm. is kind of crazy because then I started working at a company that was at Rev3, even though it didn't matter at the time, but it's kind of crazy how things work out. But uh, that, like, I remember like, you're not gonna ever get that again. Everyone who's born now, they have internet video. Like, okay, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, the metaverse and all that could be that, but it feels not the same. Like, it's not like I'm discovering it. It's like, I'm waiting for it to happen. If that makes sense. Like I know it's coming. So it's not exciting. It's like, I remember I discovered that video podcasts were a thing. Like just randomly, I don't even know how I found it, but it, like I stumbled upon it rather than I'm researching it and waiting for it to be developed. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say there? Yeah. And I, I just like, I wonder like, 
you know, I guess we can kind of look back and like we were kind of around for some of the big introductions. Like, well, it's like, you know, like you knew the iPad, it was going to be a big deal. Like we knew it was coming, it was going to be a big deal. The Apple Watch, we knew that was going to be a thing too. It's like, I feel like there's like less of like those breakout hit moments that change everything. I feel like the Apple headset to a degree can do that because we know it's coming, but we don't exactly know what it's going to do and it's going to be different. But also it's like, you know, as advanced as tech is these days, we know what's coming. We know leaks, we know rumors and like, we know the tech. So I think like we always yeah. mentioned, like I, ho- I hope the headset is going to be that next big thing that we like have no idea how it's going to work. And it's going to change everything. But also I don't know if we can ever get to that point where we're discovering something for the very first time. Like we were, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah. And I, w- I think that's just part of us being older. We're in the space. So like we're, we're this is what we do all day. So that makes sense. But also, just the internet is so ubiquitous that if anything cool happens, it's going to be news. So we're going to hear about mm-hmm. it. There's no way to like stumble upon it necessarily. You'll find little things here or there. But that's kind of why I'm, I'm interested what kids these days feel about it. Because, yeah, you're not – I mean, I maybe they're in the same boat. Like they're not quite in it as deep as we are. So they're, they're discovering things that maybe to us are obvious but they just don't know exist. I'm sure that's the case. But I definitely big nostalgia for those times. I, I miss those times just because everything was fresh everything was new things were changing so quickly and like you said hopefully that happens with uh the ar headset because i I mean that is possible because you know if ar works the way people explain it could work or hope it could work i mean that will change everything the fact that you'll be able to augment your reality literally and see things that aren't actually there that are useful i mean that's a huge huge deal and the the implications of what that could mean and what you could actually do with it we haven't even start to be we haven't even begun to like discover what that could be there's so many options like imagine i mean just think about every single thing you do on your iphone that you would now never have to use your iphone to do because it would be literally in the world i mean i feel like anything that's the thing too is like when you went from the computer to the iphone it was like you're doing these things in a whole new way the iPad was basically just an extension of the iPhone. I feel like this is, you know, it's like that same thing with the smartphone revolution. It's like, we're going to show you how to do things you've done this certain way over and over again for years in an entirely different way in this whole new experience. That's what's so cool. Yeah, it's, I'm excited for that. I think it's going to be an exciting time for sure. And, you know, we're going to have those same growing pains where the first iteration, I'm sure is not going to be that great, but we're going to see it get better and better and better. And, uh, you know, you're going to discover new things that nobody even thought you could do. Um, and I think that was what was so exciting about the time and kind of maybe wrapping this up in, uh, in, in, in bringing it back to the iPod. One of the things that, you know, when the iPhone came out, it seemed like that killed the iPod, but I actually think it didn't. Uh, that was one of the things that I discovered as I was researching this is that if you actually think about it, the iPod and the iPhone are kind of the same thing. It's just that the iPhone is the best version of the iPod. Back when the iPod came out, there was no tech for those touchscreens or the processors weren't fast enough to run an operating system like this. There was no, you know, the battery life probably wasn't good enough for, you know, optimized battery life. All those things just didn't exist. It had to start somewhere and it started with digital music. And as the years went on, everything developed and got better and better. And we got the iPhone. And even on stage, Steve Jobs said that it was an iPod, uh, internet communicator, and a revolutionary mobile phone. So right on stage, he said the iPhone is an iPod. It's just a different version of the iPod. And I feel almost like that's what the uh, next 
version of whatever we see is going to be. It's not that it's, you know, I mean, yes, it's going to, the headset will replace your iPhone probably at some point, but it's not that it's completely different. It's just the next evolution of what that is. Um, And, you know, as we keep going, it gets crazier and crazier. And you could, you could, you could see the world where in 20 years, the next version of that is the thing that gets implanted in your head or something crazy like that, which, you know, you could see the progression, but they're all linked back. And I think that's kind of crazy that if you really trace it back, it all goes back to the iPod. And I guess in a way it goes back to the Mac because without that, I mean, who knows what the world would look like. We did that one video a while back of the alternate history. What would the world Mm -hmm. look like if Apple didn't exist? And I think we'd be kind of in the same place, but it would definitely be a very different path to get there. And I guess this is a good question for you guys. What is, Matt and I have talked about like our OG tech products. What was your first Apple product? What was your first experience with the iPhone and the iPod and the Mac? Let us know sort of your thoughts on this at the Apple Circle Hotline, 949-354-3508. We'd love to know. And uh, Matt, I I mean, I feel like I could could go down this nostalgia uh, memory lane thing forever. Um, but, uh, I, I guess anything else before we wrap up, we got, get your guys' thoughts on this. Um, check out the iPod video on the John Render channel if you haven't already. Also just go back in like John's old back catalog. Cause there are some great, uh, videos there. And also it's like a great way if you don't, if you weren't around during that time, go back to like 2000, 2000 or 2000, 2007, 2008 YouTube and John's channel. And, um, you know, the other like OG tech channels and like, see like, you kind of get a sense of what it was like and how primitive YouTube was and how really primitive this tech was. And everyone was figuring it out. Like it's, you know, one of those things now where we just like, oh, you're a YouTuber, you're this, you're that. But back then it was, it was, uh, it was uncharted territory. It was crazy. So definitely check that out if you haven't already. Matt, anything else before we, we wrap this one up? No, but uh, I guess for feedback, we'd love to hear if you like these kind of uh, reminiscing, looking back at older products, kind of talking about them. This one was a little uh, uh, off the cuff. We didn't really plan too much for this one, so it was was a little all over the place. But if you like this type of thing, let us know, and we can do more of those for different products. Um, But, yeah, uh, always fun to reminisce on the past, and I uh, I think that's it for this week. See you guys next week on another episode of the Apple Circle Podcast.